Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to reveal God's end-time prophecy. Fasten your seatbelts. Here we go! Tell us in your word, where two or more are gathered in your name, also there you will be. We give you thanks for being with us here today. It's our prayer that you will open the eyes, ears, hearts, and minds of everyone listening to the truth of your word. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. everybody for joining us today. Today is a day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. You know, we are a very special generation to see these things come to pass, these end-time prophecies. There are people who have waited for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years hoping to see this time come, the return of our Lord, the Christ Jesus. How lucky are we that we are able to see these things come to pass? And we need to realize that People have prayed for generation after generation after generation after generation. Lord, come quickly. And here we are, you and I, witnessing these end-time prophecies coming to pass and his imminent return. We could be the generation that actually sees him return. I say, oh, my Lord, you know, when he talks about in the Bible where it says those who are left and remain will be caught up into the air to meet the Lord in the air. I, you know, we could very well be that generation that doesn't actually taste of the physical death, that we just get swooped up into his arms, his loving, cradling arms without ever tasting death. Incredible, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? Because make no doubt about it that we are in those times. Make no doubt about it. So after yesterday's program, you know, I I left yesterday's program with a bit of a pit in my stomach. Just because it was it, it was something that I thought we would never see in our lifetime in America. I really never thought we would see anything like this. To have this kind of... Uh, thing pushed on us, the way it's being pushed on us without any oversight. Um, what I want to do today is is go over briefly, uh, first of all, what, what the Bible says will happen right before the Antichrist returns. Uh, we're going to touch on a little bit yesterday, 
about what we talked about yesterday um, because I want to put this in context. We're going to talk a little bit about Agenda 21 and this new UN Constitution because these things also uh, are working together. And also the biometrics and the cashless society, which is um, could very well be the mother beast. Um, if, if this thing goes through the way that they say it's going to go through um, with the iris scan and the fingerprints, then and no man will be able to buy or sell without it. Um, I'm not saying that's the mark of the beast, but I'm telling you, it fits like a puzzle piece. Um, and considering that everything else is going on the way that it's going on, um, losing our sovereignty, the, the, the one world government that's forming, um, it, it, it's just hard to say that uh, that this is not exactly what the Bible says. So I'm, I'm going to take a little brief break here, um, and then we're going to come back. We're going to take a look at what the Bible says. Then we're going to go over shortly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each one of these, but we're going to go over shortly what we talked about yesterday on yesterday's program. We're going to um, give ourselves a reminder of what Agenda 21 is and what this UN Constitution says, um, how they're pushing this um, one world currency on us, um, how they're going to enforce this whole thing. See, because that's how this is connected. This is connected with Agenda 21 and the new UN Constitution. Now, if push comes to shove, in order to enforce this new UN Constitution, which we've already adopted in this country, we've not only adopted Agenda 21, we have adopted this uh, UN Constitution, which is the judicial, the enforcement of Agenda 21, and with what we talked about yesterday is our, this country's enforcement of that very thing by being able, by, or by the president being able to have the power to virtually take over every aspect of our lives without any um, oversight from Congress or Senate or courts or anyone else. Uh, and and we're going to go over this uh, and just put it in perspective, try to put it in order so that everybody understands where we are on this. Now, in the last couple of weeks, I've done a couple of programs on the one world religion. Um, I don't know if we'll have time to cover that today, um, but that's definitely part of it, the false prophet who's also going to arise. Of course, there's that um, uh, prophecy from St. Malachi in uh, the year 1100 who said there would be 112 popes, and John Paul II was the 110th pope. Uh, uh, pope Benedict is 112th, I mean the 111th. So our next pope will be the 112th, not necessarily saying that that prophecy, because um, it's not in the Bible, um, it, so it's a, it's a prophecy that the Catholics are claiming. But if it's true, um, it would fit right in with everything else. So let me take a quick break here, and uh, we'll come right back. For you, the listeners of the W. Dean Shook Program, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Get your first 30 days of the Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. It includes one credit, which in most cases, one credit equals one audiobook. Now, after your 30-day free trial, your membership will automatically renew each month for just $14.95. With your membership, you will receive one credit per month 
plus members-only discounts on all audio purchases. Members also receive one audiobook per month. Membership saves up to 30% on additional purchases. Save up to 75% on all CD audio retail prices, plus a free daily audio subscription to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Now with over 100,000 titles to choose from, all compatible with your iPod, iPhone, Android, Kindle, BlackBerry, and over 500 MP3 devices. Get your free trial today at audiotrial.com slash shook. That's audibletrial.com slash shook. The Grok Show presents the voice of the broken who've been healed, the voice of the lost who've been redeemed, your host, Georgia Red, with the hope of love, the hope of salvation, the voice of encouragement through the Word of God on the CYI Worldwide Network, the voice of Georgia Red is one voice crying out in the wilderness with a message of salvation echoing around the world. All right, friends, thank you so much for being patient through that. And before we continue, let me say welcome to everyone listening through Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, all of you folks through iTunes, thank you so much. Um, all of you folks listening to the various podcast services, uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. This is very important. Um, everyone listening through search engines, uh, through your web browser, through your media player, um, thank you. Uh, it's so important that we understand what's going on here because um, as children of Christ, it is our job uh, not my request. It is our job to make sure that everybody understands what's going on so that we're ready. We have to be ready. And I, I say this all of the time because this is so incredibly important that we be ready. Now, if this mark that we're talking about with the biometrics ends up being uh, the mark of the beast, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to recognize it. They're going to end up taking the mark. Um, and let's make sure that we understand you're not going to be able to stand in front of the Lord and say, Lord, I didn't know, um, because we are commanded to study the scriptures, to know the signs of the times and the times that we're in. So if if somebody thinks, well, you know, I'll just claim ignorance when the time comes, there is no claim of ignorance. Because we are commanded as Christians, as children of God, to read, study, and understand uh, what the Bible says, what we're supposed to do, the way we're supposed to do it, and the times we're in. And if you remember the story about uh, uh, the rich man who uh, went to hell and the poor man who was standing in Abraham's bosom and they were looking across the great divide and he asked them for a drop of water cool his tongue and 
They said, no, they couldn't cross the divide. And he said, will you send someone back so that my brothers don't end up here? And what, were, what was he told? He was told, no, because you have everything you need to bring you to Christ. Everything you need is already there. All you have to do is obey. Sending somebody back from the dead is not going to convince somebody. He told us right then, you have everything you need. Everyone has a portion of the light. Everyone has the truth of God written on their heart, and they choose to either accept it or deny it. There is no claim of ignorance. So you have people like uh, me and hundreds of thousands of other people who are doing the same thing. They are screaming about the times that we're in so that everybody understands where we are. This is so incredibly, vitally important. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about uh, the end times, about what we're talking about with Agenda 21, this new UN Constitution, with what we talked about on yesterday's program, because of how vital, important, vitally important this is. Now, the Bible doesn't use the phrase one world government or one world currency it, when it refers to the end time. It does, however, provide ample evidence to enable us to draw the conclusion that both will exist under the rule of this Antichrist in the last days, which we are in. Now, in the apocalyptic vision of the book of Revelation, John sees the beast, also called the Antichrist, rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. That's in Revelation 13.1. Now, combining this with the uh, with Daniel's uh, similar um, vision in Daniel uh, 7, 16 through 24, then it's pretty easy to see that some sort of world system will be um, initiated or in place for the beast to step into. Um, now, remember the beast, he's the most powerful horn when, when Daniel talks about the horns, who will defeat the other nine and will begin to wage war against us, the Christians. Now, the ten-nation confederacy is also seen in Daniel's image in the statue in Daniel 2, 41 and 42, where he pictures the final world government consisting of uh, uh, ten entities presented by the ten toes of the statue. You remember that. And, and whenever the ten toes are um, uh, come to power, Scripture is clear that the beast will either destroy them or reduce their power to nothing, um, to nothing more than just figureheads. And in the end, it says that they will do his bidding. He will be the ultimate authority. Now, John goes on to describe the ruler of this empire of having power and great authority given to him by Satan himself. That's in Revelation 13:2 being followed by, and receiving worship from all the world. And, and that's a quote. It says, receiving worship from all the world. That's in 13, 3, and 4. Having authority over every tribe, language, and nation. 13, 7, from this description, it's, it's logical to assume that this person's a leader of a one-world government, which is recognized as sovereign, all to all other governments. This one world government will be the leading one authority. Now, it's hard to imagine how, how this kind of diverse system of government um, will come into power, or is it? Isn't that exactly what we're talking about today? Is this one world power all forming right now? 
And they're doing that through Agenda 21, through this UN Constitution, and through what we talked about yesterday, which is our enforcement here in our country, where our government will take over this whole thing, or can, not that it will, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to step out, I'm not going to leap out into that, but it, he now, through executive order, through what we talked about on yesterday's program, have the power and authority to take over every aspect of not only our lives, but everything we own, everything we do, everything we eat, we cannot do anything under this executive order without the government's approval. And they can force us to go to work for them to do their bidding without pay, without compensation. Of course, we won't need pay or compensation because everything will be provided for us. And it, if you missed yesterday's show, go back and listen to the, yesterday's show where we went through this executive order um, in great detail and, and went all the way through it. In fact, it went into overtime. It went longer than time on the air. So the archive contains materials that you didn't hear yesterday live because we just went on and on and on until we got through the darn thing. So let's make sure that we understand um, exactly where we are in this. So there's, there's many theories on this whole subject. So a logical conclusion in, in this is that disasters and plagues described in Revelation are the real trumpet judgments, which is 6 through 11, which will be uh, devastating, create such a monumental global crisis that people will embrace everything and everyone um, who promises all this relief. Now, us as Americans, we stand in the way of all of this because we don't live we didn't live in a in a um, tyrant dictatorship uh, like other countries do, where other countries did what the government says and they do it without question for the most part until recently with the Arab Spring. But other than that, um, the government rules the country with an iron fist. Well, that's that hasn't been the case here. Um, they, we were set up a different system where we, the people, rule. Although that has changed, and according to our program yesterday, that no longer applies. So <laughs> let's make sure that uh, we understand where we are in that. So let's let's go on with what it says in the Bible. It says that um, once this beast is in power, <clears throat> and the Antichrist and the power behind him, who is Satan, that he'll move to establish absolute control over all the earth and, and uh, accomplish the true end, which is worship for Satan. Now, it says in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, that one way they'll accomplish this is by controlling all commerce. Now, this is where the idea of this one world currency comes in. Revelation 13, 16 through, and 17 describes some who refuse the mark and will be unable to buy food, clothes, or other necessities. No doubt that the mass majority of people in the world will take the mark simply to survive. But again, verse 16 makes it clear this will be a universal system of control where everyone, rich and poor, great and small, will bear the mark in their hand or their forehead. Now, a lot of people have talked a lot of different versions of how this might come about. 
You know, some are saying, oh, it's going to be a chip. It's going to be the Real ID Act. It's going to be this. It's going to be that, and blah, blah, blah. And people have been talking about this for a long time. And, and they've been saying, oh, the Lord told me that, it, that it's going to be a special chip under your eyeball or, you know, some ridiculous thing like that. But now we're seeing it actually happen. We don't have to predict anything. We're actually seeing this start to happen. So remember now, accepting the mark of the beast in order to survive or face starvation or persecution by the Antichrist and his, his followers will mean that by accepting this, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So let's make sure that we understand exactly what that means and the consequences of that whole thing. That anyone who accepts that mark will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so that's where we get the whole idea, um, just from those verses that we just talked about. That's where we get the idea of the one world government, all kindreds, tongues, and nations, and the one world currency. That's um, I quoted where that comes from. That's where we're getting this stuff. Now, this one world currency, as you know, we've been talking about that for quite a while, um, but we'll get to that. Um, what I want to talk about here first is um, a, a quick reminder of what we talked about uh, last week with the Agenda 21. I just want to remind you, and we're going to go through this kind of, you know, not spend a lot of time on it, so, but I want to put this into context with the verses we just read, and um, I'm going to do what this program is dedicated to do. I'm going to tell you what the end time prophecy is, we'll tell you what the current events of what's going on right now, and you decide if we're there or not, because if you are, who and what you say you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, yes, that's where we are, or no, that's not where we are. So I'm just going to present it, and you let you listen for the Spirit to tell you yourself, and not go by, by um, what somebody else is trying to tell you or trying to push on you that it's going to be this, that, the other thing. But make no doubt about it that through this Agenda 21 that's already been adopted, it's, it's um, adopted by Bill Clinton through executive order. And it's been slowly implemented through George Bush Jr., Bill Clinton, and now uh, through Barack Obama. Now remember uh, that Al Gore was with Bill Clinton when they adopted this. This is where Al Gore got the whole idea of the climate change thing. And you notice that Al Gore has uh, Al Gore, Al Gore. <laughs> I gotta slow down here. Al Gore has uh, dropped off of the scene, and the reason for that is because there's been too many people coming out and proving that what he's saying is not correct. Now, make no doubt about it. The climate is changing, but there's been over thirty thousand scientists, physicists, and climatologists who have come out and said, yes, it's changing, but the data is whether it's man-made or not. And they say that the models that they've came up with, they left information out in order to get the models that they came up with. And, and, and when they go to the global warming people and say, put your evidence on the table, let's see it, they, they refuse. Instead, they say, no, the debate is over. Well, you know, let's be clear about this. I would be on their side if they would put the evidence on the table and, and compare it to what these other scientists, climatologists, and physicists are saying. 
if they compared them side by side, I would take the evidence that showed to be true. But when you say, no, we're not going to show our evidence, the debate is over, that means they don't have anything else. They lose the debate because they don't have anything to refute what the other side is saying. So just by saying, no, the debate is over, means they're out of evidence. They're out of things to present, that they can't refute what's being said on the other side. That's why Al Gore has dropped off of the scene. And we haven't heard from him. And this whole Agenda 21 thing is based exactly on um, uh, what Al Gore is saying. And make, I threw, well, I won't throw my opinion in there. We'll leave my opinion out of this. So this Agenda 21, uh, we're going to go through this briefly. It's, it's all about sustainable development. And it's about social, social quality or uh, e equality. Social justice is described as the right of opportunity of all people to benefit equally from the resources afforded us by society and the environment. Redistribution of wealth, private property, in a social injustice, since not everyone can build wealth from it, national sovereignty is a social injustice. Universal health care is a social justice. This is all part of Agenda 21, and from what I just said, that just reeks of socialism. That for everyone to have private property is a social injustice. Universal health care is a social justice. Now, that may be true, but the problem comes in when they want to um, – do redistribution of wealth in order to pay for it. That's where the problem comes in. Because that's the socialism part of it. Not the fact that everybody should have health care, because they should. You know, it's, it's, it's always been my opinion that, that doctors, having the skill that they have, should be willing to treat anyone anytime and not charge them hundreds of thousands of dollars you know, for some of these things, it's just outrageous. I mean, you know, make no mistake about that. The greed is just outrageous. However, do we have to go into socialism in order for these people to do what they should be doing anyway? So there's also the economic prosperity through private partnerships. Now, this is where it gets sticky. This is all through... They want to do this through private partnerships and through – I thought I had my ducks in a row here. Private partnerships and through uh, uh, stakeholder councils, and they want to do this through a consensus. So they're saying that all of the rules and regulations that will be made won't be made by a governing body. This will be done by special partnerships and stakeholder councils through a consensus statement. So if everybody on that council agrees that that's the way it should be, then that will become the rules and the policy. So all you have to do to get your own personal uh, agenda, whether it's you know socialism or Marxism or whatever it is, it's just load up that council with the people that you want on there that's going to give you what you want. You see what I'm saying? So there's obviously no justice there. And, and it's all about uh, sustainable development. 
Now, this is also where it gets sticky because these partnerships and these stakeholder councils are the ones that are going to decide uh, what's sustainable through smart growth and wildland projects, uh, resilient cities, regional visioning projects, star sustainable communities, green jobs, green buildings, green codes, everything is going green, alternative energy, uh, local visioning, facilitators, regional planning, historic preservation, conservation, easements, development rights, sustainable farming, comprehensive planning, and growth management concessions. Now, when we talked about this yesterday, we talked about the power through that executive order that was signed yesterday for them to come in and do just exactly what this says. See, so if we start bucking the system, if we start saying that we're not going to do that because we're America, we're special, we're sovereign, we're not like the rest of the world, we're not under global UN control, the president, by signing that order yesterday, says, yes, you are, and we have the power to make you do this. Because if you remember from yesterday's talk, this is exactly what we're talking about, about farming and, and taking over uh, – any kind of facilities and regional planning and, and alternative energy and this whole thing with easements. Um, when we talked about um, Agenda 21 before, we talked about these easements uh, and how destructive these easements are going to be. And also about eminent domain, where they're going to give eminent domain to these uh, stakeholder councils and these partnerships and this group of people who are not government, not elected, not chosen by the people, these are the ones that are going to decide who has the eminent domain, what they're going to take property and facilities for, and how they're going to be used. It's not going to be accountable to anybody except whoever put them on that council. And through the executive order that was signed yesterday, they will have the power to do that. Because this executive order is, is already a done deal. And as we go along here, I'm going to show you where they're, they're not just relying on Agenda 21. And they're not just relying on this new UN Constitution. And they're not just relying on uh, the executive order that was signed yesterday. Even though that's three different layers, they have piled on other layers on top of that. So if they try to do this um, on, on the first layer... And somebody says, you can't do it on that. They'll say, okay, we got five other layers here to go through that we can hold you on. So if we can't, if we can't take your property and, and your house and your land that way, then we'll take it this way. They'll say, well, you can't do that either. Okay, well, we have another layer here that we can take it through, through this order. No, no, can't do that. Well, you know, we still have three other layers. One of these layers are going to stick until they're finally able to take what's not theirs and make it theirs, which means you lose. So what gives Agenda 21 its ruling authority? 178 nations have already adopted this Agenda 21 during a, a, a signing ceremony at the Earth Summit with George H.W. Bush. Remember, he's the one that signed it into place. And it was Bill Clinton who brought it in through executive order. Uh, and, and if you want to check that, that's Executive Order uh, 12858 uh, under Bill Clinton. And you can just go to Bill Clinton Executive Orders, look up that number, 12858, and it'll bring it up where he adopted Agenda 21 through an executive order 
without any review from anyone, no uh, Congress, Senate, nobody, through executive order. And it's in effect today. And this gives uh, uh, environmental policy with the UN directives that are outlined in Agenda 21. And we went through this extensively. We're not going to do that today. <laughs> and, and the people that have planned this, you know, they're even so bold that they're not even afraid to say what, what, what the whole thing is all about. And, and that's all also in Agenda 21. And these are very revealing quotes. Let me give you a couple of these quotes real quick. Agenda 21 proposes any array of actions which are intended to be implemented by every person on Earth. It calls for specific changes in the activities of all people. Effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all humans, unlike anything the world has ever experienced. And this comes from Agenda 21, the Earth Summit Strategy to Save Our Planet, from uh, – uh, an implementation that relies on life of our planet to dedicate to continue economic development as we know it cannot be sustained. Sustainable development, therefore, is a program of action for local and global economic reform, a program that is yet to be fully defined. Mm -mm -mm. So this will also mean... Uh, you will not be able to have private property. And we know from yesterday's destruction, uh, yeah, destruction, from yesterday's executive order that was signed yesterday, um, which also makes private property um, obsolete, where the government has the authority uh, without reason to come and take your property and use it um, under eminent domain, saying that it's for the good of the country. So, we have Agenda 21, which lays it out. It's been adopted. We have the UN Constitution, which is the enforcement of that, global enforcement of that. We have the executive order signed yesterday, which is the U.S. enforcement of that, where the president, and under his word alone and his the people that he appoints, has the power to take over this country in every single aspect. Why are we not hearing about this on the news? Why is nobody talking about this? This is just what I don't understand. Why is nobody talking about this? You know, you don't hear it on the news. Well, the, you know why you don't hear it on the news? Because the, uh, the major news networks are in bed with uh, the administration on doing this whole thing. They're all in this together. There is nothing separate here. This, this is all done together. Now, before before we start touching on this um, this new UN Constitution, let me, uh, 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 as usual, I want to make sure that everybody understands. This is not my opinion. This is not something I'm just saying. I'm not on here just talking trash. I'm going to back this up, um, and I'm going to do it with uh, some sound clips that are going to back up exactly what we're saying. Sustainable development has become the popularized expression for Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is the 1992 United Nations Rio Declaration on the Environment and Development, 
It is the agenda for the 21st century you're living in today. For a brave new world where everything that you cherished and held true will no longer exist. Agenda 21 defines itself as the comprehensive plan of action to be taken globally, nationally, and locally by organizations of the United Nations systems. It also elevates nature above man. And it contains something called the precautionary principle, where basically you're guilty until you're proven innocent. Sustainable development is the philosophy designed to bring human beings across the globe under the full control of a narrow human elite. It's a 40-chapter document to basically control the world. It's based entirely on socialist control mechanisms. Sustainable developers have designed a global movement coordinated through a global to local action plan to create world government in accordance with certain objectives. These objectives include an end to national sovereignty, the abolition of private property, the restructure of the family unit, and increasing limitations and restrictions on mobility and individual opportunities. The green goal includes the listings of what's not sustainable. A couple of the examples include private property. 728 lists fossil fuels. Golf courses and ski lodges are not. Consumerism. Irrigation is not sustainable. Paved roads. Commercial agriculture. Herbicides, pesticides. Elsewhere, it lists farmlands, pastures, grazing of livestock. And the family unit. The focus of sustainable development is the abolition of private property, societal undermining of the family, and abandonment of the constitutional protection of unalienable rights as described in the Declaration of Independence. You see, I sat on the Santa Cruz Agenda 21 committees. Now, this was a lot of crazy ideas. This was back in the mid-90s. Crazy ideas, I heard. Mother Earth's surface wasn't to be scratched. Human beings were to be concentrated into human settlement zones. Educational systems were to focus on the environment as the central organizing principle. All aspects of life were, were covered. Well, I went to these committees at the request of some people who told me that I needed to understand what was going on, and I came back and I said, this is craziness. This is so silly. It has no chance of having any effect on our society. Well, I was wrong. The United States government's support for sustainable development, Agenda 21, is very clear. In 1992, while the Rio conference was going on, George Bush, then president, was there where he executed the Agenda 21 protocols on behalf of the United States and brought it back to Washington, D.C. Within a year, Bill Clinton, by executive order, no congressional review, established the President's Council for Sustainable Development. In Santa Cruz, we've got a two-lane freeway system. We need four, but what we're getting is hundreds of millions of dollars of federal money to take a dilapidated rail line that Southern Pacific wants to put in the hands of somebody else so that a commuter line can be built along the railroad track. That'll be followed by 14-story buildings 
where people will live in stack and impact units, where developers or so-called sustainable developers will build these high rises with federal dollars. In fact, Santa Cruz has received a $300 million federal grant to build the first 3,000 of these stack and impact units. The County Board of Supervisors has said, if you are a sustainable developer, you're immune from any construction defect liability. It's a partnership between selected developers building this new world order and the government using the American taxpayer dollars in order to do it. This is a map of the Wildlands Project. To explain the map, the red are areas that are to be off limits to human beings. No resource development, no human activity. If you live there, you won't. The yellow areas are the areas for major control of all human activity. If you live there, you won't. The black areas, the black dots, are the smart growth zones. That's where human beings are to be stacked and packed in small living units along rail tracks, the Smart Growth Program ultimately has jobs assigned and children cared for by the state. The question has been asked many times how uh, the people who are perpetrating these things expect to do this and make it last. And the answer to that is that you steal a generation of children and you indoctrinate them so that they accept these ideas and they become global citizens in the coming global village. UNESCO came out and declared 2005 to 2015 the decade of education for sustainable development. But they go on to say that it will encompass the 40 chapters of Agenda 21. That is your federal national curriculum. The entire purpose of second grade social studies is to transfer loyalty from the family to the government and teach them about sustainable economic consumption. Students construct their own understandings of reality and realize that objective reality is not knowable. So why bother? The truth is, the truth which keeps men free is being suppressed in order to prop up the attitude training agenda. And it moves on. This is our new uh, math called Connected Mathematics. Standard 3 tells us that students learn that mathematics is man-made, that it is arbitrary, and good solutions are arrived at by consensus. Most of us assume 2 plus 2 is always going to equal 4. You're wrong. We might reach a new consensus. Uh, how well does it work? Well, they tell you. In the teacher's guide in the back, it tells us that because the curriculum doesn't emphasize arithmetic computations done by hand, some students may not do as well on tests assessing computational skills. We believe such a trade-off in the favor of CMP is very much to the student's advantage in the world of work. Our children are mathematically illiterate on purpose. How do I know on purpose? Why isn't this just a basic bad idea? Because the Sustainable Development Plan tells us so. Generally, more highly educated people who have higher incomes consume more resources than poorly educated people who tend to have lower incomes. In this case, more education increases the threat to sustainability. Charlotte Iserby, I owe you an apology.
I did not believe for the longest time it was a deliberate dumbing down. I thought the dumbing down was a natural consequence of a bad idea. Folks, it's deliberate. It's deliberate. The sustainable globalist goal is the orchestration of a planned fall of American principles, values, and lifestyles. The effect on the average American will be devastating. With modernizing technology, the ordinary person will live without independence, privacy, or substantive rights. Another press conference that I attended was uh, the ICLEI group, the International Committee for Local Environmental Initiatives that helps in the implementation of Agenda 21 in all of our local communities. And um, one of the speakers was a Harvey Rubin, who happens to be the vice chair of ICLEI. And I asked him about the correlative rights that Americans derive from the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And that, of course, is your individual liberties, your private property, your you know, freedom of speech. Asked about it clashing with Agenda 21. And you know what his response was? Individual rights must take a backseat to the collective. See, it's exactly what we just talked about. If you heard them talking about the consensus, and that's what's being taught in school, is that everything should come by consensus because they're indoctrinating this new generation right into this thing. And they're doing the same thing with the biometrics and the one-world currency. But you'll notice that when they, when they talked about the consensus, that that's exactly what Agenda 21 says. When I was telling you that, that came – directly out of the words in Agenda 21. And that's what they're telling you, the exact same thing, that, that it comes directly out of Agenda 21, that this is going to be done by the partnerships and, and by these groups through a consensus, not a government body, not by uh, elected people. This is going to be done through this consensus. Now, you know, what's going on here is, uh, seems to me, now this is my personal opinion here, um, that that this is uh, President Obama set, setting everything up for his second term so that when and if he gets elected to a second term, all of these things will be in place for him to um, fully implement Agenda 21 because if he gets reelected, and we know this by the comment he just made to the Russian government, if you remember the uh, – when he was talking to the Russians and it was an open mic, he said, this is my last election. After this election, I can do much more because he has nobody to be accountable. There's no base to be accountable to. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to worry about um, – he doesn't have to worry about uh, – um, being loyal to a base or um, constituents or any of that. He doesn't have to be loyal to any of that. So what he's doing is setting up a second term here. And – when he gets into his second term, then he can fully implement this through this executive order yesterday, through Agenda 21, and through the um, UN rules, which we're going to go through here briefly in a minute. Um, and, and the reason I say this is because of his attitude toward us, the American people. You know, the government, his administration, thinks that we're just a bunch of idiots. You know, that, that we're just a bunch of hillbillies who are hold on to our guns and our Bibles and that, that, you know, we can't think for ourselves or do anything uh, on our own. And the reason I say that is because of this very comment. Let me distinguish between professional politicians and uh, the, the public at large. 
Did you hear that? Let me distinguish between professional politicians and uh, the, the public at large. Professional politicians. He needs to explain to us the difference between professional politicians and the people at large. Were we designed and set up by the forefathers to be ran by professional politicians? Of course not. But he is not he's not following what this country was set up to be. Instead, he's he's setting up his own monarchy where he clearly just by that comment by itself is putting himself above everyone else that he is a professional politician. He knows what's best. Just go back to your piddly little lives, and I will take care of everything because I am the Obama. And and the arrogance of that statement just oh it, it just enrages me that he would be so arrogant to say something like that, and and to put us down that we can't think for ourselves. It, it's incredible. Let me distinguish between professional politicians and uh, the the public at large. And the public at large. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Kingfisher. All right, so let's get back to the business at hand. Let's take a quick look at this new constitution, which is the judicial, the enforcement part of Agenda 21. It's the global judicial enforcement part of Agenda 21. Um, and, and we as Americans have always... Um, had the attitude because we are a patriotic, sovereign country that, you know, you folks can do that till the cows come home. It doesn't make any difference. We're Americans, and we don't go by that. But obviously, with what was signed yesterday, we can be forced. So essentially, what, what this Constitution pr proposes is um, an environmental covenant. And it takes us to sustainable development principle in Agenda 21 and turns it into a, a, a global constitutional laws. And all parties to this new constitution would be forced to turn their nations into a centrally planned society with all decisions about everything being evaluated within the framework of this new constitution. Now, since Obama's already adopted this, America will become a paradise for control freaks. Basic decisions about what you eat, what you wear, where you live, how big your family is, how you can have um, um, activities or what you can engage in on a daily basis. And this would all be dictated by the mandates of this global constitution. So let's take a look at some of the wording in this. Um, just in case you missed that program or uh, um, you couldn't stay through the whole thing, I just want to touch on this and make it clear what this thing does. Um, uh, in, in documents like this, the, the drafters have learned to never use the term global government because it sets off alarm bells. So they use the more politically correct term of governance, 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 governance. Like we don't know the difference between government and governance. So on page 36 of this thing, we're told that the proper governance includes the creation of a governing institution on 
on a lot of different levels from local to global because they need the local people to um, initiate it at, at the very lowest level, which according to them is locally, our neighborhoods, even our block. So this governance is the process of decision-making and the process by which uh, decisions are implemented. It can also be defined as the rational organization of society in order to achieve the objectives emerging from its common concerns of material, economics, historical, cultural foundations, and needs. Governance includes the creation of the functioning and institutions of a form of various levels from the local to the global. That's what it says. Now, you know, in the foreword of this document, we're told that the covenant is a living document that will serve as a blueprint for an international agreement that the authors hope will eventually be adopted by all members of the United Nations. Well, it's already been adopted by 178 countries. I think there's only like 17 or 18 countries that haven't adopted it. And these are probably people who can't read or write. You know, I, I don't know who it is. But clearly, the, the term living document mimics exactly what the president has said, that he believes that the Constitution is a living, breathing document that needs to change with the times. I played clips for you over the last couple months. I do them all the time where President Obama says um, in his own words from his own mouth that he believes that, that the Constitution is fundamentally flawed and was flawed from the beginning and needs to be amended, changed, and tweaked. That it's a living document that needs to change with the times and that it no longer works the way that it has worked in the past. Oh, my goodness. And I think we're starting to see that when we see the uh, debate in the Supreme Court over the constitutionality of the health care bill. Now, this is going to be very telling when they come out with their decision. Um, from what I've been watching about it, I've heard a lot of uh, of political opinions coming out of the court, and, and it really kind of gave me a pit in my stomach, not because I'm afraid that they will let it ride or strike it down, but just because we've always relied on the Supreme Court for being a nonpartisan, nonpolitical institution that's going to um, compare what's being brought before them with the Constitution to see if it's constitutional. But when they start saying things that that's their personal opinion, you know, saying, well, this does put all the um, all of the burden of the price onto a, a certain number of people, it, you know, that's not the point. That's not what they're supposed to be looking at. And if our Supreme Court turns into a political body, then we're sunk. We depend on them to be an objective uh, a, a Supreme Court, somebody who's going to give us uh, a, a, an opinion that's based on legalities and not their personal opinion of whether or not they think it's right or wrong. We want to know whether or not the con Constitution says it's right or wrong. So it's kind of scary to see them come out with all of these political statements saying all of this stuff, which may just be a part of this whole thing. You know, it may just be that um, our Supreme Court will have to um, change from being what it's always been into a political thing in order to allow this whole Agenda 21 and the uh, uh, um, executive order that Obama signed yesterday to come into uh, play. They may have to just turn into a political body. 
um, that might, you know, obviously, if our country's going to go down and lose its sovereignty and become like every other um, country in the world, well, and not the unique experiment that we are, then we're going to have to probably lose all aspects. And I imagine that'll include the Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court is, man, it's it's, it's astonishing to hear him come out with this stuff, these political. Um, views and saying them as part of the record, you know, it just seemed to me it was so incredibly out of place. So let's hope that uh, that they actually do what they're supposed to do the way they're supposed to do it. So they say that this is supposed to be a, a blueprint um, of this living document, and, and and this project was originally focused almost entirely on the environment. But the authors acknowledge that there's been an increased focus on the social and economic pillars of the, the final draft. And here's what they say. They say special care was taken to update it with respect to the social and economic pillars and therefore avoid falling into the trap of concentrating solely on the environmental pillar. In the preamble, and that's important, that it has a preamble. Because that's what makes it a UN constitution. Constitutions have preambles. If this was not a constitution, why does it have a preamble? And in the preamble, we're told that a global partnership is necessary in order to achieve sustainable development. So the brief that humanity certainly stands at a decision point in history which calls for a global partnership to achieve sustainable development. Now, Article 3 of, of this proposed global constitution declares that global environment should be under the protection of international law. International law. And I'll tell you why this is important. Because when in a few minutes when we talk about the, the, the one world currency that goes along with all of this stuff, which is biblical, we talked about that at the beginning of the program, when you have a one-world currency, you have to have one-world laws, policies, and procedures to govern that currency. And this is also part of it, which is going to create a total, all-around, comprehensive government that, that's going to control everything. That's where we get the term one-world government. That's the one world government that the Antichrist is going to step into. It's going to be in place so that he can walk into it. It's already there. He can just start um, uh, taking control of everything because everything is already in place. And this is the process that we're in right now is setting up his domain for him to step into place. And this is a time like no other time in history, in the history of the world, has it ever been, ever in the history of the world ever been a time when this was even possible and we're seeing it in our lifetime in front of our eyes right this minute being formed right in front of us like no other time in history i'm telling you we are seeing the last days like generations have prayed to see for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that's why i i, I said in the beginning of the program we are a special generation to see these things come to pass to see these prayers of hundreds of years being answered because make no mistake my friends we are in the last days make no mistake about that and if i could i would be on every rooftop just screaming this and i've been encouraging other people 
um, on this network and also um, when I broadcast on the Spreaker network, I'm, I'm also telling them the same thing, you know, that you, church leaders, um, teachers, preachers, pastors, anybody that has a, a radio show or a blog or a TV show or um, a Christian magazine, everybody needs to take this up and let everybody know what's going on. Because in a few minutes when we talk about this currency and the biometrics that are being used, then people are going to be sucked into this whole thing and not even realize what's going on. Which also brings us back to another good, solid theme of this program. My friend, you need to be ready. You need to be who and what you say you are in Christ. You need to be ready, ready, ready. I can't say how important that is. You need to be ready. You need to make sure that you are who and what you say you are in Christ because there's no time right now to mess around, to fool around, or to say that someday I'll do it. There is no someday. Today is that day. Do not delay. All right. Get off a little, <laughs> a little tirade there and, and got off the subject of what we're talking about. Let's get back to business here. I'm sorry. That just kind of came out. I don't know why. All right. So, <laughs> all right. This global environment is a, um, according to Article 3, is a common concern of humanity and needs to be under international law that dictates of the public consensus and the fundamental values of humanity. Now, in Article 16, and we're not going to go through all of the articles, so be patient with me here, uh, but these are just the important highlight parts that are important, and just in case you missed them from before. So if you've heard these before, then hang with me here. We'll only be on it a couple more minutes. Article 16, uh, we're told that all member nations must integrate environmental conservation into all of their national decisions. Now, this is the part that I've been waiting get, to get to because this is the truly scary part. And this is scary because this mimics what the executive order that Obama signed um, uh, says and we went through this yesterday if you were if you heard yesterday's program or if you didn't go back and listen to it and then come back and listen to this and you'll see how these things just fall in line together so this this is article 16 this says that parties shall at all stages at all levels not some stages or some levels shall all stages and at all levels, integrate environmental conservation into the planning and implementation of their policies and activities, giving full and equal consideration to environmental, economic, social, and cultural factors. To this end, the parties, to this end, the parties shall. Now listen to this. I hope you're wearing your seatbelt. A. Conduct regular national reviews of environmental and developmental policies and plans. B, to enact, periodically review and enforce laws and regulations and establish or strengthen institutional structures and procedures to integrate environmental and developmental issues in all spheres of decision-making. Now that alone... tells you what they expect from this. They want to establish or strengthen uh, 
institutional structures and procedures to integrate environmental and developmental issues in all decision-making. All decision-making. Conduct regular national reviews and environmental and developmental policies and plans to enact, periodically review, and enforce laws and regulations and establish and strengthen international structures, international structures, and procedures to integrate environmental and developmental issues in all decision-making. All, not some, not parts, all. So every decision you make has to have those things in consideration. Has, those have to be in there. Article 20 says that it will require to mitigate the adverse effects of climate change. This means that if the treaty is ratified, um, that the national debate about climate change will be over and our national, state, local, and government institutions will all be required to actively fight man-made global warming, whether it actually exists or not. It says that parties shall uh, take um, – Precautionary measures to protect the Earth's climate system and mitigate the adverse effects of climate change. To these ends, they shall cooperate internationally to measure their emissions and implement nationally appropriated uh, mitigation actions and establish risk management and implement um, adaptation measures to enable climate-resilient development. Now, all of that uh, sounds like just a mishmash of words, but what they're saying is that's the, that's the dedication of this, and this is in this Constitution. Uh, this is just so incredibly scary. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time going through uh, a lot of this, even though I could – I mean, we did a whole program on it, so, so I could do a whole program on it. I just wanted to um, make sure everybody kept in mind um, – exactly what this was talking about. Um, uh, let me go through a couple more before we need to change subjects here before I'm going to run out of time. Um, it says we are, we are to uh, legally empower people living in poverty to exercise their rights, including the right to development, like they don't have it now, to respect, ensure, promote, and fulfill the rights of vulnerable and marginalized persons, in particular to food, water, housing, and other basic needs. Do we not do that now to enable all individuals to achieve sustainable uh, livelihoods in partic uh, particular by increasing access to and control over resources, including land, including land. So if somebody doesn't have land and you do, then that's not fair. And you have to enable all individuals to achieve sustainable livelihoods in particular by increasing access to and control over resources, including land. Anybody that doesn't have land that wants it, you have to give them land. And if you have 100 acres, then you have to give whatever that's going to be. They may say 100 people each get an acre of your land. Nothing you can do about it. Oh. Provide education with a particular focus on and with the participation of women and girl children, indigenous people, local communities, and vulnerable or marginalized persons, and support microcredit and microinsurance schemes and the development of microfinance institutions and their capabilities. 
In other words, this is all redistribution of wealth. That's clearly redistribution of wealth. If you have, you have to give to the have-nots. What is that? Well, what is that? When everybody gets everything, you cannot prosper or have more than somebody else. That's socialism. Uh, make no mistake about that. That's what you're talking about. This is global socialism. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let's take a look real quick at uh, – oh, well, no, wait a minute. I need to take about a, a two-minute break here. Um, let me take this quick break. Uh, it won't be very long, and I will come right back. Don't go away. For you, the listeners of the W. Dean Shook Program, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Get your first 30 days of the Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. It includes one credit, which in most cases, one credit equals one audiobook. Now, after your 30-day free trial, your membership will automatically renew each month for just $14.95. With your membership, you will receive one credit per month plus members-only discounts on all audio purchases. Members also receive one audiobook per month. Membership saves up to 30% on additional purchases. Save up to 75% on all CD audio retail prices, plus a free daily audio subscription to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Now with over 100,000 titles to choose from, all compatible with your iPod, iPhone, Android, Kindle, BlackBerry, and over 500 MP3 devices. Get your free trial today at audiotrial.com slash shook that's audibletrial.com slash shook alright thank you so much for sticking with me through that break um, I, that was uh, a needed break um, let me just say that um, at the beginning of the program I had a cup of coffee and that was a needed break <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. So uh, we understand now that um, uh, the Agenda 21 and the UN Constitution um, uh, are going to control things globally. Uh, we have a put together um, scenario of how this is going to go um, through the uh, Agenda 21, which is you know 178 countries. I'd say that's global. I, I think there's what 193, 197 countries i'm not sure exactly so they're not far off from it being absolutely every single nation um and when we go to the one world currency then um of course those other nations will have uh, no choice but to join in so we understand that uh what agenda 21 is based on and for those of you that want to hear the entire program on it you can go back in the archives and listen to that and we understand the global uh, governing body, this uh, UN living constitution, which will change as things go. Um, we also covered that pretty extensively. You can go back on that in the archives um, if you would like. And uh, yesterday's program, we uh, 
we marked out pretty clear through the entire program exactly what this executive order does. Scary, scary, scary stuff. Just unbelievable, unbelievably scary stuff. And I'm, I'll tell you what, if Mr. Obama gets elected uh, to a second term, um, we are – we're sunk. He's, he's going to enact exact – why would he sign this order if he didn't plan on using it? This order that we went through yesterday, if he didn't plan on using that at some point, because that was not just national defense. It was clear in that that it was not just national defense. It was both at a time of war and at a time of peace that him and whoever he appoints underneath him will have these powers whenever he wants, whenever. So – you know, I, I don't have time to cover it today, but in the last couple of days, China has come out as part of these BRIC countries saying that um, they are now replacing their dollars. They are selling off um, their dollars, not all of them, but they're starting to sell them off along with some other countries, uh, Sweden, um, Brazil, and India are start also starting to sell off their dollars because they're going to start buying international products, basically mainly oil with their own currency. Now, China, these BRIC countries, which is uh, Brazil, India, Russia, and China, um, have been saying for a long time that they, they want a global currency, just like the UN says that there has to be a global currency because the UN wants to control it through their global rules, policies, procedures, and ultimately uh, the laws that will govern the currency, govern the currency for all nations, and the purpose of that is, according to the UN, is because um, it will keep uh, some countries from defaulting and going broke, um, which is exactly what's happening uh, to places like Greece, um, who is uh, just responsible. They can't stop spending, even after they get bailed out time after time after time. They still will not cut back on their spending. So if there's one world currency and one global rules, regulations, laws, policies, and procedures, then they won't be able to do that. Their spending will be controlled by this international body that controls all of these things. And, and it's clear that this is what the UN wants to do, um, what they've had planned all along. Listen to this. To one of our top stories, the United Nations has proposed replacing dollar as the world's reserve currency with a new global one, and its report suggests the current system is not working properly and is largely responsible for the economic crisis. And for more, I'm now joined live from Geneva by one of the report's authors, Detlev Cotti, from the UN Conference on Trade and Development. Uh, Mr. Cotti, very well welcome to the program. So what's the problem with having the dollar as a reserve currency? Well, the dollar as a world currency means that the supply of international liquidity is determined by the American Central Bank, that is the Federal Reserve System, and the supply of, of the uh, liquidity is not uh, in line with the needs uh, in, 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 the, in the world economy, but the policies of the Fed are designed uh, with regard to the needs of the United States economy. This is one disadvantage. The other disadvantage is that it allows uh, the United States to run huge deficits without ever having to adjust them because they can print the currency with which they can pay for their imports, which is not the case for any other country. 
Yeah. So, and uh, what can we? Re uh, what's the possible replacement uh, for the dollar? How would this global currency work? Could you spend? Could you spend it anywhere, for instance? Well, of course, a possibility would be to replace the dollar as a, as a reserve currency by an artificial uh, medium. This had been uh, suggested uh, many years ago by, by Keynes when the, when the post-war world economic and financial order was, was conceived. Uh, today, we would have a possibility to enlarge the role of the special drawing rights issued by the IMF, and they could supply the world with the necessary liquidity, in particular in times of crisis like the present one. And uh, they, uh, the world, the IMF could act like a world a central bank uh, that steers the global money supply. But more importantly than the issue of the reserve currency is the question: Why do countries uh, need uh, to hold uh, foreign exchange reserves? And they need to hold these foreign exchange reserves largely in order to be able to counter any what some people call speculative attacks on their currency. That is, situations where uh, exchange rates come under pressure, where currencies are under pressure to devalue. Uh, so if we would establish a more uh, an exchange rate system that would guarantee more stable exchange rates, the need for foreign exchange reserves would be uh, much reduced. And therefore, in our report, we focus very much on the reform of the international uh, system to determine uh, the exchange rates. Mm -hmm. But what will happen to national reserves of Russia, China and Japan that are the largest holders of the U.S. currency and their debt if the dollar loses its status? Well, I mean, uh, of course, these dollars, uh, these dollars can be sold against other currencies. I don't think that would be the major problem. Uh, uh, the main, the, the main uh, problem here is not to, to, to uh, ask or to find an answer to what could be done with these uh, dollar reserves, which are kind of uh, global, uh, which are kind of savings from the, from the global economic activities. The question is uh, rather how can we bring important countries, including the reserve currencies, towards an agreement on a new multilateral framework for exchange rate determination. And unfortunately, the G20 that has taken on uh, the, the lead uh, in uh, the reforms uh, following the current financial and economic crisis has paid very little attention to this question. And this is why this report uh, tries to highlight the importance of a reform of the international monetary and financial system, including the role of the International Monetary Fund, and including the exchange rate system. All right, Dedlev Conte from the UN Conference on Trade and Development. Okay, from the UN Conference. Here's what's important about what he said. The key words about what he said when she said, "What would we replace this dollar with? What would we? What would be the replacement currency?" He said it would be an artificial media. So this is uh, this is exactly what I said before. Where this is going to be like an an, an old. Uh, uh, stinky uh, uh, sci-fi movie where um, everybody is paid with credits and, and there's no cash in hand. So that it wouldn't be a mark or yen or dollar or anything. It would just be an international credit where everybody's paid in credits. You know, we'll pay you um, 15 credits an hour or 10 credits an hour and this credit is good anywhere in the world and it wouldn't be called because they don't want it called by any certain thing, by any certain country. Um, it wouldn't be called a certain currency. It would just be a credit, um, an artificial medium, which is, represents a number.
So a credit would represent a number and it would be good everywhere and exactly what he said, there'd be no attack on the exchange rates um, because uh, everybody's crying about that and uh, the whole thing. So in order to do this, in order to have this credit system, they would have to have a form of distribution. The form of distribution would have to be electronic. Somebody's not going to give you a check for credits and take it to the bank because, you know, there's even places now where, where banks want you to wire the money or um, there are some banks that, that just do that uh, where they, they don't want cash. They, they, want, they want it wired or, they you know, it's all done electronically. And through this whole biometric thing with India being almost – now they're all, almost two-thirds of the way through their – uh, 1.2 billion people of being in this biometric database. Uh, Sweden has recently um, started doing it. China has, uh, oh, I reported last week, over 3,000 ATMs where, where you don't need a card. You just swipe your fingerprint, and that gets you into the ATM, identifies you um, through the biometric. This is all through biometric system, um, and it's even starting to be implemented here in the U.S., not only with cash, but they're using biometrics for everything else, too. You know, the Colorado Police Department. Uh, you may remember me touching on this in past programs. The Colorado Police Department, at the time of arrest, they can take a picture of your um, of your face or your fingerprint and put it in a database through a computer in their car, and within 15 seconds, they can have everything they they need to know about you. You're Everything from your medical history, your criminal record, your correct address, um, whether you have any wants or warrants anywhere in the world, all of that can come up in, in a matter of seconds all through the biometrics because you won't even need to carry a wallet. You won't need ID you, because your ID will be in your iris scan or your fingerprint. Now, now think about that, your iris scan or your fingerprint. Your iris scan – is in the that's your iris, your eye in the front of, front of your head. That's your forehead. Four being forward, the front, aft being the back. It doesn't say aft head. It says forehead. That's the front of your head. Or your hand. That's your fingerprint. They say the mark of the beast. No man can buy or sell without the mark, lest he have the name or the number of the name of the beast in his forehead or his hand. Oh, you can do the math on that. So, uh, is that being implemented here? Well, uh, uh, you know, oh, I got a couple minutes left, man. I oh, Dad, burn it! All right, well, we should have had a two-hour show instead of an hour and a half show, because I could, I could easily go on for another hour. But I want to play a couple clips that shows just exactly what we're uh, talking about here. Um, this is a, a short clip. Listen to this. This technology, you can never release the wrong person. The last thing you do on your way out the door is making sure that that iris matches that person. Finding crime with brand new biometric technology, the high-tech ID system making its first appearance in Colorado law enforcement. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Ron And I'm Deborah Takahara. The Arapahoe County will be the first agency in Colorado to begin identifying criminals by scanning their eyes. That's right, Deb. Despite fears of Big Brother from critics, the technology has proven far more reliable than any other ID system. And tonight, Fox 21's Dave Young is live in Arapahoe County. With how the analysis works, Dave. Yeah, Ron. Pretty soon when you're 
All right, that that was really bad audio. I'm just going to pass on that. You get the idea. They were talking about Colorado, but they're also doing it in stores. This is a quickie. Please listen to this one. To let customers pay without using debit cards, credit cards, or even cash. NBC Action News reporter Amy Hawley takes an in-depth look at this controversial technology. Have you ever gone shopping or loaded up your cart with food or clothing and then get to the checkout line and find out you've left your wallet in the car? Well, tonight we'll show you the technology that makes it simple to just touch and go. You've seen the science fiction in movies using unique biological characteristics instead of keys. He's been identified on the metro. A facial or iris scan to unlock doors and digital accounts. An electronic paperless society. Come summer, that kind of technology will leap off the big screen and one metro grocery store will make your identity available right at your fingertips. It's sci-fi technology that's about to enter the checkout lane all in the name of speed and convenience. You'll be able to buy anything from bread to beer if you agree to give the store your ultimate identity. Once you have your grocery scanned, now what do you do? You punch in your PIN number, touch your index finger to the image reader, and you've paid in about three seconds, all with a touch of your fingertips. It's called biometrics, an automated way to recognize you based on your unique biological characteristics. Each person's fingerprint is a unique identifier, not biologically duplicated anywhere else in the world. At this hen house at 87th and Lackman, customers will soon be able to register their checking and credit card account information by computer. Then you provide two fingerprints, so later, with a quick scan, the system can recognize you are uniquely you. Walk in with just your fingers. It's much easier just to swipe your fingers than to go through all the cards. Christy is one of thousands in the Metro who already use biometrics for cashing payroll checks at Henhouse grocery stores. She says she will continue to use her fingerprint when Henhouse moves biometrics to the checkout lane. I've done it and I haven't had any problems. Ball's Henhouse says identity theft and fraud have virtually gone away in their check cashing operation. They've used it there for the past three years. To get your purse stolen or your car gets broken into, that type of thing. Uh, they cannot bring that information into one of our stores and use that with, because you're not going to be there. Your finger is not going to be present at the time of the transaction. But not everyone agrees that this is the way to go. It scares the heck out of me. ACLU Executive Director Dan Winter says numbers on a stolen credit card can be changed. But once someone steals your fingerprint, they've stolen it for life. Do not be sold on this because of a convenience. Do not give something away. Do not give yourself away, something extremely personal. You know, today it's a fingerprint, tomorrow it's a microchip. Maybe that ushers in the mark of the beast. Donnie Attaway quit his management job at Quick Trip when the convenience store chain told him he had to swipe his finger to clock in and clock out. And although it may be optional today, you know, who knows about tomorrow. We're by no means going to force anybody to put down their finger image if they're not willing to do that. Experts say biometrics are about to pervade every aspect of our economy and daily lives. But they say for biometrics to work, there is one requirement, trust, something Christy already had. And you put your finger in there, and my name comes up, and she's got all my information. Isn't that quick? It's very quick. Love it. Love it. 
People across the world already use biometrics. The U.S. government, the airlines, gas stations, even Walt Disney World uses technology that can read guest blood veins in lieu of carrying day passes. But the technology is new to the Metro. A henhouse spokesperson told us if people like biometrics at their 87th and Lightman store in Lenexa, they plan to roll it out as a payment option to other henhouse stores across the Metro. Amy Holly, NBC Action News. Oh, my goodness. There it is. All right. For those of you who are listening live, we're going to go off the air in about three minutes here. But for those of you that are listening to the archive, we're going to um, the show is going to continue. And for those of you listening live, if you want to hear the rest of the program where we're going to finish going through these things, come back and listen to the archive. You can catch the uh, last part of the program um, through the archive. Um, but for those of you listening live, don't forget, I'm going to try to update this as much as I can on the webpage. That's wdeanshook.com. All one word, wdeanshook.com. You can email at contact at wdeanshook.com. Um, also, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace is all wdeanshook.com. Uh, feel free to uh, come to our webpage. Like I say, I'm going to try to keep this as updated as I can. And um, everyone listening to the archive, um, stick with us here. We're gonna we're, we're gonna keep going on this, and um, I'm sorry for those of you listening live, uh, but we're gonna be out of time in about two minutes. So um, I, I'm just gonna keep going here. So in in 1958, uh, at the John Birch Association, Mr. Robert Walsh, who's the founder of the John Birch Association, in 1958. Uh, the, well, in case you don't know, the John Birch Birch Corporation is a, a, a socialist entity who tried to get into office um, on a socialist ticket but failed. They actually ran candidates from the John Birch Society on a socialist ticket nine times and, and lost every single time. And, and the reason is because they made it very clear of how they're going to – how they wanted to uh, govern, how they wanted to initiate – socialism and how they would take down our government um, and turn it into a social nation. Now, I'm going to he makes 10 points. I'm going to play this clip where he makes these 10 points. And if you listen to the 10 points that I'm about to play, you're going to see all 10 of these are exactly what's happening today. Take every one of these 10 points and think about what's happening today and it's an exact match. An exact match, and this was from 1958. This is Robert Walsh from the John Birch Society, 1958. Hold on to your britches, friends, because this is incredible. Listen to this. A part of that plan, of course, is to induce the gradual surrender of American sovereignty, piece by piece and step by step, to various international organizations of which the United Nations is the outstanding but far from the only example. Now, here are the aims for the United States. One, greatly expanded government spending for every conceivable means of getting rid of ever larger sums of American money as wastefully as possible. Two, higher and then much higher taxes. Three, an increasingly unbalanced budget, despite the higher taxes. Four, wild inflation of our currency. Five, government controls of prices, wages, and materials, supposedly to combat inflation. 
six greatly increased socialistic controls over every operation of our economy and every activity of our daily lives. This is to be accompanied naturally and automatically by a correspondingly huge increase in the size of our bureaucracy and in both the cost and reach of our domestic government. Seven, far more centralization of power in Washington and the practical elimination of our state lines. There is a many-faceted drive at work to have our state lines eventually mean no more within the nation than our county lines do now within the states. Eight, the steady advance of federal aid to and control over our educational system, leading to complete federalization of our public education. Nine, a constant hammering into the American consciousness of the horror of modern warfare, the beauties and the absolute necessity of peace, peace always on communist terms, of course. And ten, the consequent willingness of the American people to allow the steps of appeasement by our government, which amount to a piecemeal surrender of the rest of the free world and of the United States itself. Now, was I kidding, or is that exactly what's going on? You know, when he said the um, the federal aid to schools, that came about when they uh, created the Department of Education, and our schools now depend on that federal funding. Uh, and because of that, the federal government is able to dictate to some degree standards in order to receive the, that federal aid. And by doing that, through the money, through the federal aid, they're saying, well, you have, if you want this federal aid, then you have to have a certain standard in each one of these subjects. And, uh, you know, if you have to sac sacrifice something else in order to reach this standard, then that's what you have to do. And that's exactly what they're doing because the greed nowadays, it's all about the money. It's all about having those federal funds. And our schools across this country, every single city, county, and state will say the same thing. We can't survive without the federal funds when, in fact, that's not true. I don't know where you, how, how it is where you live, but where I live in Oregon, we have the third highest school budgets in the country. And yet our students are about 45th, 45th in achievement. Because they, they say, well, we need more money. Well, no, you don't. It's not about the money, obviously, because being the third highest school budget in the country and 45th in achievement, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the money is, is not what does it. It's the curriculum. It's the people behind what's being taught. So let's make no mistake that... Uh, that's definitely now wasn't all of those points that he just made wasn't that exactly what's going on today is that not exactly where we are it's just so incredible to me that to think that that we don't know what we're doing or that this is just happening um, it's just the way it goes no obviously this has been a plan from the beginning that this is how you do things. You know, Barack Obama um, studied extensively Saul Alinsky, who wrote the book um, Rules for Radicals, who says in his book Rules for Radicals, um, it says the exact same thing that Robert Walsh just said. 
and that you can only bring these changes about during a time of chaos. Well, you know, what do the Muslims say? That their imam can only come back during a time of chaos. I mean, anything that's radical or goes against what the human nature says has to be done in the middle of chaos. It has to be that there's no other choice. And we already know that the government creates situations that, and then steps in and says, oh, don't worry. We can fix all of this. We will be your savior. And what they're doing is presenting themselves as a savior for a a situation that they created. So they create the chaos and then step in and says, don't worry, we can fix this. That's exactly what they're doing in order to implement all of these 10 things that uh, Robert Walsh just talked about, which is going to bring all of these things that we've been talking about tonight, all of these things uh, together uh, to make this one world government, uh, the very things that we spoke about in the beginning of the program in Revelation and Isaiah and saying all of these things, which is exactly what this is. Now, you know, we cannot have our sovereignty as, as a country, as a people. We cannot have what we have if we're going to fit into this. This was the purpose of the executive order that Mr. Obama signed on the 16th, which says that um, he can, by force, if he's reelected, um, by force, uh, implement Agenda 21 and everything that it entails. And it gives him the uh, authority and the power to do that through this executive order that we talked about. So if you missed yesterday's program, please go back and listen to that program. It is incredibly important. Because they're not only – well, I don't want to get off the currency thing, but they, we'll, we'll go that other direction. Uh, they're, they're saying that what they want to do is make us cashless by 2017. Now, there's already places – you know, you, you just heard the clip about the store, the stores doing that. Well, also at the Piggly Wiggly in, in – I think it was in North Carolina, maybe South Carolina. I think it was North Carolina. Piggly Wiggly stores are now starting to, to implement – that program, and they're starting at uh, their stores in North Carolina, where they're um, putting in all of these things to pay biometrically, and the people at Piggly Wiggly say that that's just the beginning. Once they get it installed up and running there, they'll work any bugs out of it, and then it's going to all of their stores. And and soon, all stores are going to do this, because it costs them less money, they say, to, to process it, and, and I, guess, I guess it's less than cash. Uh, I don't know. They say it's you know, they're doing all of this cashless stuff um, under the guise of um, it's more secure, people won't be carrying cash, crime will be down, there will be less theft, they can't come in and rob you, um, they can't mug you outside, um, robberies will be down because they can't come in with a gun and, and take your cash, so armed robberies and that kind of thing will be uh, eliminated, and it's all about security and you know, they just have a whole long list of excuses of why this w should come about. And, you know, you got to give them credit on one aspect, that those are some things that would be beneficial because they, you know, those things would be eliminated. But along with those things being eliminated also comes um, the elimination of our control and our sovereignty over our um, over our money, as this is just another step in that whole thing. And, and that's the problem here is uh, this is just a step 
in that whole thing. Uh, so uh, l- let me tell you what they're doing in Louisiana. You know, in, in, in Louisiana, they've passed a law that says if you buy secondhand, so if you buy from a secondhand store or um, if you buy anything used, and they're saying this could even go as far as swap meets and garage sales that you can't buy with cash under these same guides that stolen things are being sold at these secondhand stores, bought and sold through secondhand stores. So they could stop the theft and the and the black market um, of people um, stealing metals and, and uh, selling them at the metal place because if they paid biometrically, then they would have a record. It would it would all go through biometrically, so they wouldn't be able to steal. Um, or you know, somebody that steals TVs or DVD players or game systems wouldn't be able to go down to the secondhand store and sell it, and then the secondhand store resell it to somebody else, because it would all be on record through biometrics. And Louisiana has already passed a law that this is exactly the case. Cold, hard cash. It's good everywhere you go, right? You can use it for anything, to pay for anything. But that's not the case here in Louisiana now. It's a law that was passed during this year's busy legislative session. KLFY TV 10 Eyewitness News reporter Doug McDermott joins us live in the newsroom with how a bill like this could have flown so far under the radar. Doug. Well, Darla, basically House Bill 195 says those who buy and sell secondhand goods cannot use cash in those transactions. And it flew so far under the radar that most businesses don't even know about it. We're going to lose a lot of business. We don't want this cash transaction to be taken away from us. I mean, it's an everyday transaction. Danny Gidry owns the Pioneer Trading Post in Lafayette. He deals in buying and selling unique secondhand items. I think everyone in this business, once they find out about it, they're going to definitely be, there's going to be a lot of uproar. The law states those who buy or sell secondhand goods are prohibited from using cash. State Representative Ricky Hardy co-authored the bill. They give a check or a cashier's money order or an electronic. One of those three mechanisms is used. Hardy says the bill is targeted at criminals who steal anything from copper to televisions and sell them for a quick buck. Having a paper trail will make it easier for law enforcement. The mechanism to be used so the police department could be able to have something to go on and have a lead. Gidry feels his store should not have to change its ways of doing business because he may possibly buy or sell stolen goods, something he says has happened only once in his eight years. We are being targeted for something that we shouldn't be. Besides nonprofit resellers like Goodwill along with garage sales, the language of the bill encompasses stores like the Pioneer Trading Post and flea markets. Lawyer Thad Ackle Jr. feels the passage of this bill begins a slippery slope for economic freedom in the state. The government is placing a significant restriction on individuals transacting in their own private property. Pawn shops have pawn shops have been forced to keep records of their clients for years, but in this new law, they're still able to deal in cash. Live in the newsroom for KLFY TV tonight, Eyewitness News, I'm Doug McDermott. Isn't that incredible? Now, do you remember when the uh, when Islam said it's going to take over America, not with an army, but they're going to take over America uh, in a u- unique way, which is death by a thousand cuts. That means they're just going to give you little cuts here and there over and over and over and over and over and over again until finally you just bleed to death. Well, that's exactly what they're doing with this whole cashless thing. 
They're giving us a death of of um, cash in our pocket by a thousand cuts, where they're taking this little baby step by little baby step by little baby step. And it starts with little things just like the Piggly Wiggly store and just like the uh, other clip that I played you, that the, the stores are slowly starting to implement this so that you cannot buy or sell is where it's going, where you will not be able to buy or sell without being in this biometric database, which is your iris scan in, the, in your forehead, your iris scan, or your fingerprint, either in your forehead or your hand. Now, it's starting little bit by little bit. This is death by a thousand cuts. We talked about um, uh, how they're doing this with the clip we just played, with the Piggly Wiggly stores, and with the other stores that are doing the uh, the whole thing. And, and and of course, um, this is progressing very fast. This is not a slow-moving thing because all of these other things are almost completely in place. So this cashless thing uh, needs to catch up very quickly. Um, and and here's an example of just exactly that thing. More now of our special coverage here tonight, life in the U.S. in 10 years' time. By that time, there may be all kinds of new ways to safeguard and identify all those things that make each of us unique, our faces, even our fingerprints, even our eyes. Here now with more on the future of technology, NBC's Tom Costello. The year is 2017. You're rushed to a hospital, unconscious with no ID or medical history, but thanks to a microchip under your skin, it's all there. Science fiction 20 years ago, but a biometric reality today. The technology is based on answering one simple question. Am I who I say I am? Already, fingerprints and iris scans verify passenger identities at airports. Within 10 years, that technology may be even more widespread. And look for more complex facial recognition programs that scan a crowd of thousands looking for a single terrorist. Today's facial recognition software starts with the eyes. Then it maps out the contours of the face and compares that against a database of millions, a database that's growing by the day. What's next? At the University of Bath in England, researchers predict big changes for consumers. I think it is possible to free us completely of our wallets and keys using biometric technology, if that's what people want in 10 years' time. In fact, it's already here. The latest home security locks use fingerprints to control deadbolts. And at the Jewel Osco grocery store in Chicago, some customers pay using their fingerprints. No paper or plastic. You don't really need anything other than your hand, and you already got that with you. So will future department stores scan our irises, like in the movie Minority Report, then offer products catered to who we are? Hello, Mr. Yakamoto. Welcome back to the Gap. Experts say that technology is here now. The challenge is to safeguard our privacy in a brave new world. Tom Costello, NBC News, Alexandria, Virginia. You know, if this was happening under any other context, I'm, I'm not sure it would raise such alarms uh, that it's raising um, in the people that know what's going on, um, which is basically us, because our instruction manual tells us that this is exactly what's going to happen. But it just so happens that this coincides with everything else that the Bible says is going to happen, not just going cashless. If, you know, if these other things didn't apply – if, if there was no push for one world government or for taking away our sovereignty or for um, um, socialist, socialism being pushed on us the way it is, then that would be something completely different. But that's, that's not the case. 
this is just uh, one part of the puzzle that's all coming together, and, and we're getting the full picture of it now. Like I say, if, if this was by itself, that would be one thing, but this is not by itself. This is a full picture of everything coming together all at once. And, and I say it's coming about fast because it's not just about um, – you heard him say that they're using it at airports now. Well, you know, there's places where you can't use cash. We've seen that in Louisiana and in Colorado um, and in North Carolina and some other stores in Ohio. Um, uh, other stores are picking this up quickly, but it's not only that. Um, you heard him say that some hotel rooms are using biometrics to get in and out of the uh, hotel room. Well, the FBI has also uh, picked up on this, and uh, the federal government has also picked up on this. And they are, too, starting to implement this very same thing. So we're getting the death by a thousand cuts, and we're getting cuts from all sides. We're getting it from the private sector. We're getting it from our 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 neighbors um, unwillingly. Obviously, in Louisiana, these people are our neighbors who run these secondhand stores and Goodwill and places like that. Um, they're being forced into it, forced into it, into this database. And um, also in Colorado, where the law enforcement is using it, and the FBI has also picked up on this. Welcome back to the most news in the morning. The government taking a big new step, looking to build a huge database of people's physical characteristics. The FBI is taking on a billion-dollar project to gather fingerprints, palm patterns, even digital pictures of faces. Eventually, it could expand to include iris patterns, face-shaped patterns, scars, even information about how you walk and talk. It's called biometrics, and it could change the face of law enforcement, but it's also causing a lot of controversy. American Morning's legal contributor Sonny Hoffman joins us now. So we're talking about some incredible stuff like tracking the shape of your earlobe. So yes. what is the FBI's goal in doing all of this? Well, the goal is to have a comprehensive database to track terror suspects suspects, criminals, that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's a wonderful goal. We do want to sort of have that centralized database, but you have to be very careful because what if the wrong person is in that database? And that is something that can follow you forever. Someone uh, said, it was reported, said, you know, if your credit card is stolen, you can get another credit card. If your eyeball print is stolen, you can't get another eyeball. And, and I think therein lies the problem here. That's right. You know, and it's going to be a while before this, this actually all comes into play. And they're calling it next generation biometric. Even the name right. is complicated, but for, for those of us who aren't on terror watch lists, like mm -hmm. the two of us, as far as um, we know, do we need to be concerned about this kind of thing? You know, I, I think so. I, I really think so. You know, the ACLU and other groups are saying Big Brother is watching, but you do have to be careful. And it's interesting because a lot of this information is already in a database. I'm already in a database having been a, a federal prosecutor and, and having security right. clearance. I'm already in that database. Okay. Uh, what the FBI wants to do is take that information and keep it and and that's the problem and generally you can get access to it and ask for information that's on you but um, uh, in this situation you may not be able to get that information yeah. so I think everyone does have to be careful all right legal contributor Sonny Hostin we thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you a bit later on in the, in the show thank you Sonny thanks so if this is um, what it looks like it is which um, when it becomes full fully implemented would be that you cannot buy or sell, um, you cannot do any business anywhere, no transactions without having this iris scan or the fingerprint. Um, some are saying that it's the chip, 
Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's an ID card or a chip or whatever it is. The, the point is that it's going to all be based in this database. You have to be in the database. And, and I think that if this is actually the mark of the beast um, coming up, that um, um, the mark of the beast will be the database. Not necessarily the chip or the iris scan or the fingerprint. Those are just methods to that lead to the database, that lead to the mark of the beast, which will be that database. If, you, if you're not in that database, then um, you can't do anything. You can't virtually do anything. And, and what makes this so important is um, that, uh, you know, in Colorado, I, I didn't play that full clip because it was hard to – uh, it, was, it was just bad audio, but they're also using um, they're also using biometrics through your automobile, through your registration and your driver's license. Um, if you have this enhanced card, it has biometrics in it, um, which are related to your car. They're saying that um, now, as you drive down the freeway, they they have scanners set up on the side of the road that that scans your biometrics as you drive by. And as you become scanned, they check to see whether your um, whether your insurance is valid, whether your uh, um, everything is up to date, if your tags are good, if your registration is up to date, if your um, driver's license is good, um, and they can, without pulling you over, they can conduct their business through these biometrics and the mail, where they could through the mail give you the ticket. Uh, for speeding or for your tags being expired or for no insurance. Um, they may come, you know, here in Oregon, if you don't have insurance and you get caught without it, they'll tow your car. So it could be that if, if you drive by that scan and it says your insurance is not up to date, that, you know, maybe they're going to come to your house and tow your car away and say that that's the price of not having insurance is that you lose your car. Um, and they come and tow your car away in the middle of the night, you wake up, there's no car, and, and you get notice it's because you were scanned on the freeway with no insurance. Uh, and it, it doesn't just stop at that. You know, they, they, they've also implemented drones to uh, fly over American cities um, that can also use biometrics. These drones can also use um, biometrics through a scanner that's built in the drone. And these drones can... Um, are already being implemented in, in, through police departments all across the country, um, and, and they're various size and various different types of technology, but nevertheless, they're drones, um, and they're using them with the idea that they, uh, the police department can use a drone to uh, survey, say, the backyard of um, someplace where they're chasing the subject to see you know, if the subject's back there or um, where he might be hiding or if there's a shed or something that he might be hiding in so that they know what's going on before they get back there. And that's, that's, you know, that's a good thing. However, that's not the only thing. You know, they also want to be able to use the biometrics where um, if they're chasing a subject who just robbed a bank, they can use this drone um, to fly over this subject. They'll get his biometric information, and they'll know exactly who he is. Um, they'll have his complete history, his medical history. Everything that's in the database will come through that drone um, that's that's already being used all over the place. Um, and here's proof of that. Unmanned drones that can tase or shoot a person from the sky and can even launch a grenade. These are the latest toys the Houston, Texas SWAT team, the police department, purchased using its Homeland Security grant given to it 
by the federal government? Is this the next phase of the police state, where cops can play video games with our civil liberties and with our lives? Here with the frightening analysis is Lou Rockwell, Mises Institute founder and chair. Lou, it's a pleasure. Welcome back to Freedom Watch. Judge, great to be with you. Say it ain't so. Say that the police department of Houston does not have unmanned drones from the sky that can tase someone or kill them as the military has been doing overseas. No, it's true. And, of course, that the federal government is, as you mentioned, supplying these things. Uh, they're all federal agents. Various federal agencies have them. Uh, undoubtedly, the state police will have them, the local police. Maybe we can look forward to dogfights among all the predator drones. But, of course, they, they uh, also are developing x-rays that can see through the, the walls of your house. They can spy on you in your backyard while you're sunbathing. Uh, and, as you say, they can taser you, shoot a baton into your head, or uh, even kill you with a grenade. And we're supposed to feel safe about this. We're supposed to think this is to fight terrorism. When, of course, it actually is terrorism. Most of what we're told about terrorism is, I think, uh, uh, phony baloney. Uh, but, of course, the federal government is establishing a police state, cameras everywhere, on every light pole, right. uh, reading our emails, listening to our phone calls, and now shoot you in your backyard if they don't like what you're doing. Uh, no trial, no jury, just boom. Well, well, it starts with the federal government. The Patriot Act un unleashed thousands of federal agents to write their own search warrants, to capture the keystrokes on our computers when we use them, to get our, our legal records, uh, our telephone records, even our medical records. Now the federal government is going to give money to local police departments. I think you just made a very good point, Lou, and that is if Houston has this, Dallas is going to want it. If Dallas has it, I'm just naming cities in Texas to start with, Austin's going to want it. If those three police departments are going to, are going to have it, the Texas Rangers, the name for their state police, are going to want it. And if Texas has it, can New York and California and Illinois and New Jersey be far behind? Judge, just the, just the existence of the SWAT teams, which are militarized, I mean, armored units, nothing like what local police used to be, are themselves a sign of the police state. And now they're going to have these, these drones. And it's not only the big cities. Every small town, every small city is going to have their drones. You know, the, the federal government, among all the other wonderful things they're doing for us, giving us a depression and so forth, want to droneize the whole country, make us all vulnerable anytime they don't like what we're doing, boom. And, uh, you know, you've got nothing to say about it. Maybe you can bring a suit afterwards that uh, they'll say is too secret to be examined right. and you're out of court. And, and much of this has happened without any popular vote. Decisions by, uh, by bureaucrats uh, and law enforcement started with the federal government, one hand the Patriot Act, and the other hand the president deciding to become judge, jury, and executioner on an American in a foreign country. He doesn't need a trial. We don't have time for a trial. The evidence of guilt is so overwhelming. Right. We know their argument. What can we do about this, Lou Rockwell? Well, of course, we also have to focus on the, what should we call it, the security industrial complex, I mean, the vast network of industries that are making so much money off these drones and all the rest of the police, you know, the tanks that the local cops have and so forth. So I think we need to educate ourselves. Uh, how about reading your new book uh, would be one thing people could do, or uh, reading your previous book on the Patriot Act. Um, we have to educate ourselves. We have to understand what our freedoms are, who our enemies are, and it's not some guy in Yemen. The enemy is in Washington, D.C., and in every other uh, capital, state capital, local government office building. That's where the enemy is. Those are the people who want to take our, away our freedom, are taking away our freedoms, taking all our money, too. Lou Rockwell, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Judge.
Find out why your night watchman has been turned into. All right. Well, you know, this whole thing, uh, the, the entire program, uh, over yesterday's program and today's program is 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 unrefutable proof of what they're trying to do. Uh, this is this is like I said earlier, like no other time in history. What can we as Americans as as Christians do about any of this stuff? Well, first of all, with 82% of all Americans claiming some relationship with Christ, with God, we can't seem to band together long enough to to, to make any change. Uh, and change is what we need if we're going to um, save our sovereignty, save our country as we know it, because our government's doing anything they want, any time they want, and, and nobody is standing up to them. Instead, half of the American people are saying that what they're doing is right and good. Well, let me tell you what we can do, because we can make a difference. If we will stand together long enough to put our little petty differences aside as Christians, we can change this. At least in our country, we can change it. Here's how. What would have happened? in 1789 or 1942 or 9-11, if a top government official stepped in front of the people and publicly proclaimed America was a nation of cowards, he would have been run out of the country on a rail, packaged in tar and feathered at least. But that's what happened in 2009, and you did nothing. Have you become a nation of cowards, America? In the greatest show of arrogance and disdain, any Congress ever showed any citizenry your dysfunctionally elite, self-interested, non-representing representatives passed the largest spending bill in history without reading it, and you did nothing. You want them to obey your constitutional mandate and secure your borders, and they ignore you. You ask them to enforce your immigration laws. And Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.